John Henry Newman wrote that the ascension of the Lord is at once a source of sorrow because it involves his absence and of joy because it involves his presence. For our Blessed Lady and the Apostles standing on the Mount of Olives with their eyes riveted to the heavens. The ascension was, as I said yesterday and the day before, the last glimpse of the face of Christ <coughs> on earth. The disappearance of the beloved face of Christ leaves in the heart of the church a longing to see him again, a burning nostalgia, a desire for his return. <coughs> and this is the grace offered us in today's incomparable introit, Exaudi Domine. Listen to my voice, O Lord, when I cry to thee, Alleluia, true to my heart's promise. And Monsignor Knox gives this wonderful rendering of the text. True to my heart's promise, I have eyes only for thy face. Is that not beautiful? I have eyes only for thy face. I seek thy face, O Lord. Turn not thy face away from me. Alleluia, alleluia. The desire to behold the face of Christ becomes a persistent longing. This is the experience of all lovers and was the experience of the saints who are, all of them, great lovers. The vitality of one's interior life can in some way be measured by the intensity of one's desire to behold the face of Christ. Or at least by the desire of an intense desire to behold the face of Christ. There is a vital connection between the Holy Ghost the invisible God, and the face of the Word made flesh. And this, first of all, because the face of the Word, as the man once known as Cardinal Ratzinger put it, the human face of God was fashioned by the Holy Ghost the divine artist in the womb of the Virgin Mary. 
one must recall the promise of our Lord before his passion. He who is to befriend you, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send on my account, will in his turn make everything plain and recall to your minds everything I have said to you. It will be for him, says Jesus, the truth-giving spirit, when he comes to guide you into all truth. Now, contemplation of the holy face of Jesus is the means by which the Holy Ghost teaches us all that we need to know in order to become saints. There is nothing written in the Gospels that one cannot read on the face of Jesus. The Holy Ghost so illumines the sacred scriptures for us, and in a special way, the sacred scriptures dispensed to us day after day in the sacred liturgy. The Holy Ghost, I say, so illumines the sacred scriptures for us that we begin with the eyes of faith to perceive the countenance of the Bridegroom Christ shining through the text. Now, says the Bride of the Canticle, he is looking in through each window in turn, peering through every chink. This is the experience of the Church when she opens the Scriptures, when she turns the pages of the Sacred Scriptures and reads the sacred text with the eyes of faith, what does she see? Christ looking in through each window, in turn, peering through every chink in the text. Since his ascension from the Mount of Olives, the holy face of Jesus fills the vision of the Church. The Holy Ghost brings to our remembrance all that our Lord said and did by compelling us ceaselessly to see his face. And this is why the Church sings on this Sunday after the Ascension, Listen to my voice, O Lord, when I cry to thee, true to my heart's promise, I have eyes. Only for thy face, I seek thy face, turn not thy face away from me. Little footnote. It is a terrible loss that in those places where Ascension Thursday has been moved to Sunday, this Mass of the Sunday after the Ascension completely disappears. This mass of the holy face of Jesus disappears and the faithful are deprived of hearing and singing 
and praying and making their own this introit true to my heart's promise I have eyes only for thy face it is thy face O Lord that I seek turn not thy face away from me and how we all need to hear these words to pray them to take them to heart to make them our own Today's Gospel, taken from the 15th chapter of St. John, from the Discourse at the Last Supper, takes place, of course, where? In the Cenacle. The Cenacle is the place of the institution of the Most Holy Eucharist and of the priesthood, and the very place wherein Mary's motherhood of the Church begins to unfold in a ceaseless prayer that envelops the church. It is the place of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in a great wind and tongues of fire. And these three mysteries are telescoped into one in every celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Today, after 2,000 years, St. John Paul II said this, the Cenacle remains the Church's home. The Church lives out of the Cenacle. Ecclesia the Eucharistia. And returns to the Cenacle to be renewed in the Holy Ghost through the intercession of Mary, the mediatrix of all graces. By yet another liturgical providence of God, today is not only the Sunday within the octave of the Ascension, it is also the feast of the Blessed Virgin Mary of Fatima, whose image graces the oratory. And St. Peter Julian Aymar, that great 19th century apostle of the Blessed Sacrament, obtained from the Holy See the institution of a feast fixed on May 13th, Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament. Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament is, in effect, another way of naming Our Lady of the Cenacle, as I explained yesterday. In the Cenacle, together with Our Blessed Lady and the Apostles, one contemplates the Eucharistic face of Jesus. The commandment of the Lord on the night before he suffered, do this for a commemoration of me, was certainly obeyed by the Apostles during the days that separated the ascension of the Lord from Pentecost. As I said yesterday, the very table at which our Lord instituted the sacrament of his body and blood was there. And according to tradition, the very chalice that our Lord held in his holy and venerable hands was kept there and 
mused with a kind of fear and trembling by the apostles, his priests. The mother of the Eucharist was there. The very face that disappeared into the heavens over the Mount of Olives on the day of the Ascension reappears in every Holy Mass, hidden, and yet, as St. Thomas suggests in more than one place, and yet shining through the sacramental veils. The priestly prayer of Jesus, first uttered in the Cenacle on the night before he suffered, is wondrously actualized, brought into our here and now in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It is Christ, the eternal High Priest, who stands at the altar with his face turned towards the Father and his pierced heart open for all eternity that out of it we may receive the life-giving torrent that is the gift of the Holy Ghost. In some way, the final chapters of St. John's Gospel are a sustained contemplation of the face of Jesus turned towards us and lifted up to his Father. Contemplate the face of Jesus portrayed in the fourth gospel. The Holy Ghost will draw you into our Lord's filial and priestly prayer to the Father. And this is, I not only think, this is, I know with a kind of inner certainty, the reason for taking today's communion antiphon from our Lord's priestly prayer in the 17th chapter of St. John. Attend well to the communion antiphon today. Father, while I was with them, I kept them whom thou gavest me, alleluia, and now I come to thee. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from evil. Alleluia. So I put the question to you. Why, in today's communion antiphon, are we given the very prayer of Jesus addressed to his Father? Is it not because one who receives the body and blood of Christ receives into himself the very prayer of Christ? The grace of every Holy Communion is this, Christ praying to the Father in us. The most perfect act of thanksgiving after Holy Communion is a silent communion with our Lord's own prayer to the Father. Words get in the way. They may be helpful or to get us through the rough patches and over the bumps. 
But there is something else. The soul content to rest in silence after Holy Communion and in some way to submit all her powers to Christ the priest, experiences his prayer to the Father and the fruits of that prayer. Through the adorable mystery of the Most Holy Eucharist, the face we so long to contemplate, the face we are, well, dying to see, is set before our eyes and burned into our souls. The Apostle says, it is given to us all alike to catch the glory of the Lord as in a mirror with faces unveiled. And so we become transfigured into the same likeness, borrowing glory from that glory as the Spirit of the Lord enables us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.